Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Brian Peacock here with Matt Williamson, a very special guest joining us today to help wade through the various contract negotiations happening with some star players around the league and how COVID impacts that going forward with the unknown of future salary caps. Our guest today is Brad Spielberger. You can find his work at OverTheCap.com. He and Jason Fitzgerald doing great things. Over there, you can find him on Twitter at BradOTC, an author now too. We'll get into his book about the NFL draft a little bit later, but uh, we brought him on to talk salary cap, some of these players that could be holding out in the NFL in 2020. There are a number of franchise tags out there. There are a number of uh, big name contracts. There are people demanding trades. So let's filter through all of this and see what sense it makes as it pertains to the salary cap and what that salary cap might look like in 2021 now and bring on today's guest, Brad Spielberger. Brad, how are you, sir? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. I guess we have to start with Dak because he's in the news this week and he actually signed his franchise tender. What does that exactly mean for the Cowboys? And there was some posturing about rescinding the tag. How does all that work and why would Dak decide to sign his tender now? Yeah, sure. So there's a couple things that happen when Dak does go ahead and sign that franchise tender. So, you know, there was a, there was a placeholder, obviously, on the, on the Cowboys end of that $31.4 million, uh, But now... In signing it, it becomes official. Um, I had a question yesterday, you know, do you think this is something of a sign of good faith? To an extent, yes. Um, Dak now has to report for training camp if, you know, if slash when that happens uh, because he's under contract. You know, technically he was not under contract uh, before then. Uh, And they have until July 15th to work out an extension. Um, And after that date, he just plays in the tag. You know, he cannot uh, continue to negotiate. So, you know, there's three weeks to that time now. Um, so it kind of moves the clock forward on that a little bit. Uh, so those are kind of the big, you know, factors you see in that decision. When it comes to Jamal Adams and the Cowboys, I heard some talk that maybe this was Dak making it impossible now for the Cowboys to make a trade and sign someone like Jamal Adams. And I want to talk more about Jamal Adams after this conversation, but does that tie in at all with Dallas's ability to do other things with uh, with Dak signing this contract and maybe put the onus on the Cowboys to come up with a long term deal so they can add some more cap now. It's a fair question. Yeah. Um, so what they're getting at there is the fact that, you know, even though we see quarterbacks, obviously, with 30 plus million dollar, you know, per year amounts, rarely do you actually see, you know, thirty one point four million dollars stamped on a roster, you know, like Dak's franchise tag would be. Um and so, yeah, they don't have a ton of space. Uh, again, they obviously, you know, they, they probably were never treating that money like it was actually available to them. But it would require them to maybe extend him um, and, and, in effect, bring that 2020 cap hit down to then you know, make room for Jamal Adams is kind of the theory there. Uh, I think to an extent, yes, but I think, you know, teams can, can make money in a lot of different ways. So maybe less than people thought. But, but it's definitely, you know, an influencing, you know. Brad, I, I want to get one thing out of the way, and then I want to talk a lot about different players and teams and situations and fun stuff. But there, I bring it up a lot, and it really worries me about the potential for the cap to go down next year, and maybe significantly, maybe a big chunk. And frankly, I say this type of thing about it, that that worries me more than not having fans in the stands or not having a preseason in terms of hurting the game. 
I, I want to get your impressions of, of what that would mean. Do you think it could happen? And then the real, I mean, I, I wouldn't even pass economics 101, but is, <laughs> is, is there a way the league could basically take a loan out against itself and say, we know we're such a good business model. Let's just keep the cap the same, even though our cap formula says it should go down and we'll just pay it back over the next five years because we're going to make so much money. Yeah. So the interesting, you know, conversation there, a lot of different ways they could take it. Uh, I think the most logical way would be to essentially massage out that decrease of just 2021 over, you know, five plus years. I mean, you just signed an 11 year CBA, which is an extremely long CBA. Um, and so maybe one benefit of that is you could even do just five years. So 2021, uh, through 2025, and let's say they lose 80 million, which is a projection I've seen, you know, some, from some reliable sources, you know, 16 million in each of those years is a, you know, equal distribution of that cap, you know, decrease, um, or, you know, yeah, like you said, you could try to push it into the future even more. Um, and the cap increasing like it normally does would eventually kind of swallow that money, so to speak, you know, it right. would go up 40, but it actually would go up 24, you know, if you do, you know, that type of model. So that's what I think is the most logical rationale. And I'm sure the Players Association and the league are trying to come to an agreement on how that's going to look. But do you agree that if by chance it would go down 30 million next year, the cap, it would be catastrophic to the league? And do you also think that's a big reason that a lot of these teams haven't made moves this time of year for big contracts because they just don't know what hands you know what what cards are in their hand right now. Yeah, it's definitely a factor. Uh, it's undeniable. You know, I think free agency wasn't completely wiped out. Obviously, there were there were a lot of you know sizable contracts, but mm-hmm. not compared to previous years. You know, and it's kind of the market has slowed. I think much faster. I know now there's there's kind of a general freeze of bringing guys into buildings. So that's also maybe not a financial consideration, but they just you know can't even. Um, approve workouts or, or see guys go through physicals. But um, yeah, I think it's fair. And I think the, the population that it's most a threat to would be kind of older vets um, have some larger cap hits or just, you know, cash payments uh, in 2021 or maybe beyond. And, and teams are trying to get it, you know, get out ahead of it, so to speak. And maybe it's kind of um, incentivizing more cap casualties, incentivizing moving on from some older players with larger cap hits, especially if, you know, there's a shortened or, or, you know, altered season and they kind of lose their age, you know, let's say they lose their age 31 season anyways, and they're 32. And, you know, it kind of starts to make you move the time timeline up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Even if in a best case scenario, if the cap say doesn't go down, just the fact that it doesn't go up 20 plus million dollars next year, and it was expected to take a nice bump, if I'm not mistaken, in 2021, aren't most teams going to be uh, really shuffling things a lot more, even in the best case scenario for the 2021 cap? Yeah, hundred percent. So they obviously in general would expect, you know, an increase of six, 7%. Uh, that's, that's been around $10 million lately. You know, it, it was expected to jump. I, you know, I've heard anywhere from 25 to 40. So go from about 2 million, uh, 200 million, excuse me, this year to, you know, two, 225 to 240 range. And obviously if it goes to 185 in the reverse, you know, teams are definitely in precarious situations. Some, you know, more than others, you know, the Saints and Eagles probably jump out at you. Just teams that would have to do some work um, already negative for the 2021 cap. If, you know, with a projection of 215 million, kind of just a small bump uh, is what over the cap is, is showing right now. You know, if that's flipped by 30 million dollars, 
the Eagles, for example, would be technically about $80 million over the 2021 cap. They obviously can do a lot of things to fix that, but definitely something they'd have to deal with. Yeah, right. And you know, to kind of start the show, we started talking Dak, and he's not the only one, though. I mean, he's working on a franchise tag. He wasn't a first-round pick, but Mahomes' contract looms, which I assume will set the new standard, and Watson's out there. I mean, all these guys are about the same age. Do you think those three agents are kind of playing chicken, waiting for the first one to sign? Do you think the there's any chance they move teams? I frankly don't. Is the situation with the future cap just making it too restrictive to sign a $40 million a year contract? Or how do you see all that going right now? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I think it is a key. And you pointed out, you know, Dak is at the completion of his rookie contract and now is on that franchise tag. So he's finished four years. You know, his, his 2021, or excuse me, 2020 contract would have been nothing. Whereas with Mahomes and Watson, you know, from the Texans and, and Chiefs perspective, they have their fourth rookie year. They both obviously had their uh, fifth-year option year exercised. Mm-hmm. Um, you obviously, you know, our general way of thinking has always been sign that extension early for a guy like a Watson or Mahomes. Like, you're only going to probably get a discount, right? You know, it sounds insane. You say $40 million a year to Patrick Mahomes. It's a lot of money, yes. But let's say he has two or three more seasons like he's had. And let's say, I guess, maybe in a pre-COVID society – you know, him agreeing to a $50 million a year contract in 2022 probably wouldn't even surprise you, right? So, right, you just kind of, right. go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just saying, right, that that sounds bonkers, but no, that, that wouldn't surprise me. Right, so that's the general principle, but I guess, no, to your question, I do think that teams, you know, are probably are just a little bit more cautious with these, these huge contracts. And so, specifically with Watson, something I saw yesterday that I found interesting uh, I think it was Florio was saying that Watson is considering or, or maybe pushing for kind of a three-year extension. Um, we saw Larry Tunsil do it. Uh, he reset the left tackle, kind of the overall tackle market by, by a great chunk, over 20%, uh, $22 million a year average with most of that fully guaranteed. Uh, and, and I think that if Watson wanted to basically take like a Kirk Cousins, you know, super, super Kirk Cousins and maybe three years, $100 million fully guaranteed – uh, and then hit the market again in, you know, 2023 or whenever that would come out to, um, depending on if they extended the fifth-year option year or whatever, whatever they tried to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe less a year than you'd expect. You know, Russell Wilson topping the market at 35 right now. So maybe he takes less than 35, um, but it's fully guaranteed and he hits the market, you know, sooner when he's younger and, and maybe can get another massive contract. Crazy. What could those – dollar amounts look like for these quarterbacks that are due for a massive raise. We've got to talk to Maul Adams, trade request, what teams make sense for him as a landing spot. If the Jets should trade him at all, George Kittle's contract is looming. When you talk about breaking open a market at tight end, that one could be a really tough negotiation. And which teams tiptoe around the cap and the collective bargaining agreement the best? Coming up with Brad Spielberger. Too bad it's not as easy for NFL teams to re-sign their own players as it is to go get a great deal for a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar at BuiltBar.com. You don't even have to use promo code LOCKEDON for your $10 off per box because a very special offer, 50% off every box of Built Bars right now at BuiltBar.com. 50% off right now, no matter how many you buy, 50% off Everything this week at Built Bar. You can make your own box. Get three different flavors of Built Bars. You could get their chocolate almond flavor, coconut chocolate cream, 
20 grams of protein in the peanut butter flavor, only 3 grams of sugar. Other bars have 15 grams of protein and only 110 calories, like the orange chocolate cream and the mint brownie delight. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. You don't even have to use promo code LOCKEDON. You just log on to BuiltBar.com, get 50% off everything. High protein, high fiber, low sugar snacks at BuiltBar.com. Let's say that the the cap thing is figured out and and teams are feeling okay and they can go and make their decisions and sign their big name players. Let's focus on the quarterbacks real quick. Do you have a number that you would set as the over under for an extension for Dak Watson and Mahomes right now? Yeah, so I'd probably just go up the ladder. So Dak, you know, I think it's not, right now it's coming down to if I take five years, you're going to beat Russell Wilson's thirty five million a year. If you let me take four years, I'll, I'll go probably match it if I had to guess, or maybe just below. So I'll say 35 for Dak, 37 and a half for Watson, and 40 for Mahomes. Just kind of to put it, you know, simply, you know, a nice round numbers. And in 2022, that's the get well year for the league, right? Because hopefully the COVID stuff you'll, will be behind them. They'll have had a 2021 season with fans fully in the seats, and then there's a new TV contract if I'm not mistaken, right. in 2022. Right. So you'd think in theory if 2021 is completely uninterrupted and, and everything is back to normal, and, and probably honestly with the excitement and with the added enthusiasm of, you know, that rare product, you know, eight home games for your team, you maybe don't get to go to any this season or, or maybe it's limited, you know, 25% capacity or something. They can make a ton of money, hopefully, uh, you know, for them uh, in 2021. And like you said, kind of get right and, and get the ship back, on, you know, on course. And then where does the betting money factor in? I mean, I know pre-COVID, there was all kinds of talk of, boy, there's going to be a, a windfall of all this money that comes in through the betting circles. Sure. So the CBA kind of had a lot of different carve-outs for, for how they're going to bring the gambling revenues into league revenues. Um, and then again, how that's split as well. So, you know, any owner that decides to partner with either online gambling, you know, mobile gambling, or to have something on-site, or something sponsored, you know, nearby. And I think one team, maybe the Skins were thinking about it, like having a casino like across the street or kind of right in the area. Um, that is supposed to factor into league revenues. Um, and it does seem like that market is exploding. So, yeah, that could be another example of um, so a new influx of cash that could help the balance and kind of, you know, assist in the, in the smoothing the coronavirus, you know, correction and just, you know, that gambling revenue kind of supplementing that lost revenue from, you know, the pandemic. Just the gambling thing and having a team in Las Vegas. Can you like gamble in your seat in Las Vegas watching a Raiders game? I mean, that would be such a massive attraction for that team. I'm guessing the league doesn't want to go that far with it, but I mean, it seems like if if everybody's cool with gambling, they put a team in Las Vegas. I mean, you know that's what's going on. Whether they're making bets from their seats, and I guess you could just do it from your app and your phone, and and nobody can say anything about it. But man, they could probably pay for the stadium in about five years if they instead of giving out menus for uh, what you can order in your seat, gave out all the props, and you could just bet right there on the back of the seat in front of you. Yep. So I think that the big money generator will be, you know, the apps all online. You know, I think brick and mortar is obviously not the best place to be, regardless of what you do, what kind of business you're in right now. But yeah, I, I don't see why every team doesn't partner up with one of these, you know, FanDuel or all the sites where you can bet on your phone. Uh, and I'm sure people will be sitting there, you know, putting all sorts of bets in, live bets in, all of that, you know, from their seats. Yeah. There's a lot of future contracts I want to talk about whose contracts are coming up. You know, we mentioned the quarterbacks. I, I'm sure that, that Brian wants to talk Kittle. There's a lot of running back news. But there's two guys on the open market right now that have had a lot of success in this league 
Cam Newton and Jadavian Clowney. Uh, do you? What's your take on why they're not signed? What's your prediction of what will happen to them? Is Newton just a case of not being able to visit buildings because of the COVID situation and his injury? I'm curious what you think on those two. Sure. So, you know, I think it was one of the better QB free agencies or off seasons kind of we've had in a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, Combination of a couple top, you know, top end draft picks, first round of about four guys in the first round. You also have – um, you know, there's a lot of guys available via trade or free agency. Um, and so it wasn't that spots ran out. I, I think Cam really doesn't plan on going anywhere where he's not the starter. Uh, and so it looks like he's just going to hang out now until someone gets hurt, um, which happens so often that I, I think it's it should be could be more of a strategy, maybe only at quarterback or depending on the position. But, yeah, just sit back and wait to see if a team needs a guy. Um, and, you know, he gets to stay safe. He gets to stay away from people for the time being, keep training on his own. Um, so I think that is something of a factor there. Um, for Clowney, it, it sounds like he's just asking for too much, and, and teams just really yeah. aren't willing to meet him there. Um, that, that's just kind of what you know. I, you know, I don't know the reporting if, if it's accurate, but I've seen that pretty consistently um, from multiple teams. So the Browns are in the mix there. The Dolphins were in the mix there. The Seahawks are obviously always kind of you know in the circle, and, and he's really not willing to to meet to match with any of them. I want to finish up the conversation really quick about some of the folks that have the franchise tag placed on them for 2020. There's still four players that have not signed their franchise tender, if I'm not mistaken. The, the deadline is July 15th. This is from Albert Breer. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, so Bucks pass rusher Shaq Barrett, Bengals wide receiver A.J. Green, Chiefs defensive tackle Chris Jones, and Jags defensive end Yannick Ngakwe. Um, is there any contracts you see on the horizon for those guys, or do you think this is one of those seasons where guys just are going to have to play out their franchise tag and we'll see what happens again in 2021? All pretty unique circumstances there. Um, I think AJ Green's just right off the bat, you kind of put aside that there's injury. I mean, it was the last two seasons now. He's probably missed like yeah. 10, 10 games or more. Um, and obviously he's done so much for that franchise, and I think he probably feels a bit slighted. So that's kind of like I don't even really know how to approach that one. Um, I think Chris Jones simply tough to fit his contract with a lot of the other guys they're paying. You know, you, you put Frank Clark on a $20 million a year deal on your D line. Chris Jones, in my opinion, is the better player by probably a, a, a large amount. Um, but end of the day, you already have kind of shelled out that money. Um, and so I think on the other side of the spectrum, they have like no cap space. And so Chris Jones, but that's, I think it's about 16 million probably knows it's killing the Chiefs to have that huge amount in 2020 um, and maybe leveraging that to get an extension he would like from them. Um, and then who else we talk? Yeah, Yannick Ngakwe, I think he's made it clear. He just wants to get out of Jacksonville by any means possible. Um, and I guess I'm blanking on the fourth guy. Who, who, who am I missing? Uh, let's see, Jones, Green, Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett, yep. Shaq Barrett's a tough one. I mean, flash in the pan. Not flash in the pan. He was never a bad player, but obviously freak, you know, year, uh, 19 sacks or something like that. Um, maybe the Bucks didn't really, you know, probably couldn't fully anticipate getting Brady and getting all the, you know, Gronk and all these guys that came through. So maybe just shifted the dynamic of how they approached, you know, the Shaq Barrett negotiations. Another large tag that they probably wouldn't want him to play on, but at the same time with him, you know, you want to see if, if that year was, was an outlier or if that's, you know, the real Shaq Barrett. So I personally probably, you know, let him play that one out. Um, so, you yeah, know, we want to see if you can do that again. And then, you know, if you can, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll pay you. 
Chris Jones is an interesting one because everyone wants to reset the market, and then you have somebody who's really special at a position like Aaron Donald in Los Angeles, and he puts this number way out there, defensive tackle. Now every other defensive tackle is like, okay, well, let's go chase Aaron Donald money. And it's like, well, wait a second. We had to pay him this extra thing, and you can't really compare yourself to that level. As good as Chris Jones is, and then you see DeVorce Buckner pull that off pretty much, getting that trade to Indianapolis, getting over $20 million per year. So Chris Jones has to be asking for over $20 million per year, and it's just so hard to pay an interior defensive lineman that much. Yep, 100%. And I'm sure, yeah, 20 is probably his floor. Um, and that's just going to be a tough deal for the Chiefs to fit in. I'm sure they're trying. But yeah, he's definitely looking for 20 minimum a year. How much is George Kittle going to make? Where should Jamal Adams end up if traded, if he should be traded at all? What about the running back market? Where's that going to go? More with Brad Spielberger. It's really topical right now to talk about what are running backs worth? You know, we just saw McCaffrey sign a huge deal but potentially, we're going to see Kamara, Henry, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Leonard Fournette all on the open market next year. I mean, do you think they'll get big money? Do you think a couple of them will? Do you think that market's changing? Will they all get franchised and just get run into the ground? Like, How do you think that position gets handled? It's a great point when you, when you bring up the, the amount of guys that are going to hit free agency. You know, we've obviously been talking a ton about this this running back market and, and how valuable they are, and but we actually really haven't had a free agency with kind of a dearth of, of talent. Um, mm-hmm. That's a lot of guys. Uh, yeah, right. think, yeah, no, and I do think it's a lot of guys also that could be looking to switch teams. I would say that probably doesn't does not work in their favor. Um, you know, the availability of more running back talent just kind of goes to the general notion that there's a lot of available running back talent, right? So. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think that just like you mentioned with kind of an Aaron Donald situation where he blew it so you know high out and it might not get hit for a couple of years, you know, I think the the McCaffrey Zeke number it might get treated kind of like that 23 million for Aaron Donald. Um, and, and running backs will be basically fighting to get three million below that. Um, you know, just like we talked about 20 million for Chris Jones. You know, I think guys now like a Dalvin, if you're looking for more than 13 a year, kind of the David Johnson range. I just don't think a team's going to bite. Okay, there's a couple of really big contracts and negotiations going on that we have to get into here. Jamal Adams and George Kittle. Let's start with Jamal Adams. He has demanded a trade. And to me, just on the surface right away with Jamal Adams, he's still under team control for two more years. They exercised the 2021 fifth-year option for him as a 2017 draft pick. Is... Is Adams jumping the gun even asking for a trade or a mega contract right now this offseason? And if you are GM Joe Douglas for the Jets, what do you, how do you play this? Because to me, it would seem that he just sits back and go, okay, I'll take it under advisement. And that's about it. And then not really do anything because he doesn't have to. And if you're a player, what's your leverage when you're that far out from a contract except for holding out and probably hurting your future earnings anyway? Yeah, so there's a there's two factors at play here, uh, and you kind of touched on at the end is a key point is that when you're only through three accrued seasons, you know, like Jamal Adams and, and also Dalvin Cook, for example, are, um, if you don't report to training camp, and this is the, uh, a new CBA provision, it used to be 30 days before week one you had to report, uh, otherwise you wouldn't accrue a season. So now it's, it's beginning of training camp, which shifts that timeline up considerably. Um, then basically at the end of the season, you, you'll only have three accrued seasons again. Um, ergo, you're not going to be an unrestricted free agent. So you'll be an, you know, a restricted free agent uh, subject to the restricted free agent tenders. 
So, so the leverage got taken away or, or kind of got even harder to have leverage in a holdout as a three-year player. So I think Jamal Adams is kind of using a trade threat as, as something of a last resort. Um, you know, Dalvin did threaten to hold out, and I don't believe he's going to hold out. I think he'll be there day one of training camp because him not accruing that season, getting to unrestricted free agent status, and being able to sign something of an extension. Again, we don't know what that's going to look like, but something is the smarter move. You know, I think it would be probably foolish to just sit out. I think his bluff might get called. Jamal Adams, probably not. Jamal Adams, you know, the Jets want him to be on the Jets. Um, and I think he's just using the only leverage he kind of has left. Um, doesn't look great to only put teams that are, you know, Super Bowl, <laughs> coming off Super Bowl or consistent playoff contenders. Um, it starts to suggest that money's not the sole issue, but that you also would like to leave the um, the building, which is obviously a whole separate issue. But I, I don't know if I believe that. I think he's just trying to, you know, spark something as, as much as he can. What do you think about Kittle, though? I, I mean, I'm sure Brian's on the edge of his seat because he's worth more than, you know, Hooper, who's, who's now the highest paid tight end. They're not even the same stratosphere as players to me. 100% agree. And so it's funny, both of these markets, the safety market I actually was looking at yesterday is due for a bump and the tight end market is due for an explosion. So by that, I mean, you know, safety has kind of been steadily growing. There have been some recent you know, large contracts. Eddie Jackson at 14.6 a year is now the, the standard. Um, but that position and inside linebacker were growing consistently for five plus years. You kind of were always in the same boat. And now you see C.J. Mosley um, and Bobby Wagner get 17 and 18 million. And I think Jamal Adams is looking for that amount as well, 17, 18 plus. Uh So Kittle, I I think the issue there is the team might be trying to give him a top end tight end market, uh, you know, pay, which, like you said, Austin Hooper is about 10 and a half million. Kittle is in another stratosphere. I think he's also looking for, I would say, a floor, an absolute floor of 15 million. And I'm guessing they settle maybe in the 16, 17 range. And that deal is just not going to get there quickly. Right. There's just so much room to cover there. Something that stood out to me that you said earlier about the Jamal Adams situation in those three accrued seasons, George Kittle, would he be under that same umbrella of a guy who could lose that accrued season if he did decide to hold out? Because again, if you're trying to destroy a market, it seems like Kittle and his agent would have to at least threaten and potentially hold out to get to the number, you know, a certain amount of of dollars over the $16 million range, which is sort of the the midpoint between tight end and wide receiver, which I'm sure the 49ers are looking at, okay, look, we'll we'll do pretty well if we get 16 or less per year with this contract. Kittle's agent's probably throwing 19, 20 million out there as far as a, a yearly dollar average. If he doesn't show up, would he run the risk of not having that accrued season? Yeah, so he's in the same boat, 2017 draft pick, uh, which means, yeah, three years under his deal. So, yeah, so also entering the fourth year of a rookie deal. So I don't foresee him um, skipping the beginning of training camp. Um, I think he has to report as well. You know, I think that's same boat as for all the guys. Yeah, that makes sense. And another totally different situation, after giving up so much draft equity, what do the Rams do with Jalen Ramsey? It seems like Ramsey holds all the cards. Yep, so huge leverage there. Uh, we saw the player kind of use that leverage with Laramie Tunsil. Uh, Texans give up multiple first-round picks and, and a second. Uh, he basically knew, like, you have to pay me. Mm-hmm. You, you can't not extend me. It would look foolish. Um, and went ahead and reset the tackle market by over 20%. So kind of same boat. Ramsey, probably one of, known as one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. You know, may not have had the best recent, you know, play. But um, he's obviously a blue-chip player. And I think same boat saying, you, I know you have to pay me. 
Uh, he has the fifth-year option left, but obviously looking for an extension. Uh, maybe it ties back into, you know, the conversation we're having with Jamal Adams where, you know, he came to the Rams saying, okay, I, I won't demand an extension day one. I trust that you'll take care of me. You know, Adams has kind of suggested there are seven or eight teams where if I go here, I'll play under what I'm currently being paid, and, and I trust that you'll take care of it. You know, Ramsey's trust is, is now extending into the rest of the 2019 season, and, and you know, we're still going there. One one position I haven't heard mentioned a lot that is, you know, everyone's talking about the running backs that are coming up, but that same draft class, Juju Smith-Schuster, Cooper Cup, Kenny Galladay, and Chris Godwin were all selected the same year, not first-round pick, so there's not the fifth-year fifth option available. They're all set to hit the market, too. Like, there's a lot of teams that could use Chris Godwin and, you know, Cooper Cup and Kenny Galladay and Juju Smith-Schuster. 100%. I mean, I think a guy like Galladay is not top of market, but, I, you know, if he has another year like he's been having, could yeah. be asking for in the 20 range. He, he's a great player. Um, yeah, no, definitely another influx of talent there. I know Juju, I've, I've heard that the Steelers are, you know, less inclined to extend him than it may seem, uh, which could be them just, you know, negotiating via media a year in advance. But I have seen that. So, but there, is, there are definitely a lot of talent at wide receiver that will be hitting the market soon. If Jamal Adams was to get traded by the Jets, which team can actually afford him? Is there one team of those eight that he listed that makes sense? So I had the uh, Seahawks and Ravens. And yeah, I know Seahawks probably not what you want to hear. Um, as two teams that probably, you know, could make it work long term. Um, not a lot of the teams he listed have space in 2020. Um, but if he gets traded, he would actually only cost on the 2020 cap uh, for the team that acquires him about three and a half million dollars. So not a huge expenditure there, but then the fifth year option he's under for 2021 is about 9.8 million. Uh, and then obviously, you know, future years you have to take care of as well. So um, those two teams don't have a ton of space this year, but are near the top for 2021 and beyond. Uh, I think that uh, the Seahawks could use more help in that secondary and, and at safety, they know the value there. Um, and I think with the Ravens, you know, Earl Thomas, maybe after this year, you know, you start to look to replace what he does and, um, so yeah, those two teams make a lot of sense to me. And it does make a little sense for those teams to, to make a trade for Adams right now. If they know that he'll play under his current deal and not have to worry about that contract until after the 2020 season, uh, then you could see a team saying, okay, well maybe we'll give up that first round pick and maybe even a little bit more to get this star player in now and then worry about the contract later. Yeah, 100%. And I think teams try to game, uh, you know, what the pick is truly going to be worth. Uh, and I think those two teams, it's rare for, there's not a lot of teams that you can know for a fact how they're going to finish, but you know, the Seahawks and Ravens are probably at worst going to send what the 20th, 22nd pick, um, you know, especially if they add Jamal Adams to their team. So, you know, late first and maybe a third, um, and, and you know, just kind of figure out the rest later. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. We, we kind of mentioned Adams to the Ravens and it made me think, boy, I, I'm really impressed with how the Ravens have played the comp pick game over the years, how they handle their roster construction overall, the payments they send out. Is there a team or two that you would just put at the top of the list in terms of they get it, they, you know, they get it. They know how to play this game. Yeah, uh, that would be one of them. Uh, okay. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, the Ravens are one of the best run organizations uh, in the NFL. I'm sure, you know, if you wanted to argue the best, I'm, I'm sure you could. Um, teams do have their own style, but, you know, their success is undeniable. Um yeah, I mean, I think the Niners are, are really good at managing money. I think they're creative. They they find new ways. And you know, we've heard about, 
for example, you know, front-loading money, kind of zigging what everyone else zags with the back-loading um, with Jimmy Garoppolo and others. Um, you know, those two front offices are great. The Eagles uh, are looking into every single loophole that, that, that exists. Um, they, you know, they, they will find things to do and ways to, you know, manipulate money that have not been done before. Uh, and, of course, you know, the gold standard of my learning all of this is obviously the Patriots who, you know, you'd expect to, that to continue. You know, I've I've got to ask you this question before we get out of here because a listener sent one in and wanted us to ask you about, and while we're talking about resetting markets, defensive end, I don't know what Clowney's going to get right now, but after this season, Joey Bosa, he's heading into unrestricted free agency. I have to imagine there could be a franchise tag involved there, but what would Joey Bosa's contract look like? We've got to answer this one for Josh on Twitter. Uh, sure. So, yeah, I mean, Bosa, we already have seen – um, very early in his career, he understands his value. Uh, I want to say third overall pick, definitely top five. Uh, you know, I'm confusing Bosa's, but um, and you know, held out for most of his originally because he wasn't agreeing to language uh, in his rookie deal he didn't like. Uh, so he's shown that he understands this game. Uh, I think he's definitely trying to threaten that market. Uh, if he continues to play how he has, stays healthy, stays in the field, and continues to you know really just dominate on the edge, then yeah, I, I think he will definitely come into that negotiation saying, why wouldn't I take Khalil Mack, you know, 23 and a half million off the edge. It's been a couple of years now. Um, you know, there's no reason why we're not, you know, threatening that number again. We're not here to bash teams. Was it safe to say the Chargers weren't near your list of teams that do it the best? I'm definitely not here to bash teams. <laughs> um, I, I mean, everyone has their own philosophy. I'll just say personally, I, I probably – take the, you know, not a lot of philosophy I, I inherit from the Chargers when I'm trying to say how I would go about things if I hypothetically were in a position to, you know, make changes for a team. I'm not, I'm not pulling a lot of their ideas off. Fair enough. That is Brad Spielberger. You can find him on Twitter at Brad OTC, his work at overthecap.com. And Brad, you have a new book out. Can you tell us about that and tell the listeners where to find it? Yeah, absolutely. So new book came out just before the draft. Uh, it's called The Drafting Stage. It is kind of a full, you know, investigative research on draft trades uh, and kind of the value there. And then it's kind of branches off into a lot of different areas, just about value, positional value, uh, and really just anything you can think of uh, on how to quantify the draft and and kind of how teams can get an edge there. So, uh, yeah, appreciate the shout out. Go, go check it out on Amazon. Just search the drafting stage and it'll come right up. Absolutely, cool. man. Yeah, I geek out on team building, so I've already ordered that book. It's on its way, so I can't wait to read it. Brad, uh, really appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much, and you gave us a ton of great information here when it comes to these contracts right now. Thank you so much for having me on. That'll do it. Thanks again to Brad. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be back tomorrow right here, Locked on NFL.